Are you the person responsible for OSHA compliance for your company? Well, have I got the event for you. January 11th and 12th, 2021, I'll be doing an OSHA compliance masterclass for you that are responsible for all things OSHA for your organization. Visit sheldonprimus.com backslash events for more information. All right, welcome back. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm really going to do something that I did on uh, LinkedIn and uh, live Facebook and everything else. So I've been trying to do those once a week and in some cases twice a week. I know in the future my goal is going to be three times a week doing live events. And I say events, but truly it's just a Facebook live and it's uh, just me right there doing my feed and people are texting or chatting I should say uh, doing that so if you are not in my Facebook group you would actually need to go to facebook.com backslash groups with an S backslash safety consultant no S you have to answer three easy questions make sure you agree to the terms of the group and then you are in uh, and the other way you could get it would be through my other Facebook pages. So if you go to uh, pages, uh, OSHA Compliance Health page, uh, Safety Consultant US page, I believe that's it. Oh, yeah, I got the Shelbro Safety page, my business one. And then the nonprofit, the NEOSTI page, which is National Environmental and Occupational Safety Training, Inc., so that's my nonprofit. So one of those pages, you'll see it. Or if you're on my LinkedIn, Sheldon Primus. So once you're on LinkedIn, you just type in Sheldon Primus, uh, send me an invite, and then you're in. So what we did talk about is something that truly you would think it's easy to know, but it's actually not as easy as you would think. So what I'm going to talk about is if you are going to be evaluating, especially if you're going to go into a facility, you're the consultant, you're the person who's responsible for understanding safety and, and health concerns, then what you really want to make sure that you do is you understand, are you looking at a construction activity or are you looking at a general industry activity and you get that first, then after that, then you can start working your way through the CFRs, which is Code of Federal Regulations, for those of you that aren't in uh, the U.S. So this could be a U.S.-centric uh, thing, but truly, I, I don't know so many other rules or laws. So what I'm going to tell you is what I'm seeing with OSHA specifically. So since this is legal terms, we first need to know the definitions, right? So OSHA does have a definition for construction, and that construction definition is going to be found in subpart C in 1926. So part 1926, which is the construction part, subpart C, there's a definition section, and uh, it's section 32, paragraph G. Construction work for this purpose means construction, alteration, and or repair, including painting and decorating. I do not understand why painting and decorating is in there. 
I just know it is. So if you are doing construction work, building something for the first time, alteration, where your something is up and you guys need to fix it a little, uh, alteration, repair, damage, you got to get it back to its, uh, its normal or its functional part, then that is repair. And then painting or decorating. I do not know why painting. I do not. I wish if I could tell you I do, but I, I don't. And I even looked into the letter of interpretation, and they did include painting in uh, many of the letter of interpretation. And then I looked at the preambles. Uh, preambles is the. It's basically this. Whenever you see a law, there was a chain of events that happened for this law to make it into the Federal Register. OSHA keeps those chain of events together and they group it together in what's called the preambles to a rule. So I looked at the preambles to the rule and then there's also a preamble to 1926. I looked at that as well and I cannot find why they included painting and decorating. Uh, but when I think of decorating for me automatically I think of Christmas decorations. But uh, truly, I believe the sense of this word, and then again, without having any direction on this, there's no letter interpretation on this one yet, I believe it was like decorating as such as uh, creating or let's say manipulating some actual components of a building or facade or something similar to that for a temporary purpose or a beautification purpose. So that's my... my gut feeling on it without knowing that but truly we should probably just take it at at uh, face value when it says painting and decorating and whenever you're doing those two activities think of working in 1926 until otherwise told so that's the definition of construction so now let's go through the definition of maintenance and this one is the tricky part because there is no OSHA definition for maintenance so you, what you would do is the best thing to kind of help you out. There was a letter of interpretation written by OSHA on uh, November 18th, 2003. I pulled it up right now, so I have it in front of me. And someone was basically asking them a question as, what's the characteristics of maintenance work? What's the characteristics of construction work? OSHA gives them that definition of construction that I just gave you. And then follows up with this right after that. Unlike construction work, there's no regulatory definition for maintenance, nor a specific distinction between terms such as maintenance and repair or refurbishment. Maintenance activities have commonly been defined in the dictionary. So OSHA is actually going into the dictionary to get their uh, wording on maintenance. So this thing is defined in the dictionary as... Making or keeping a structure, fixture, or foundation, substrates and parentheses, in proper condition in a routine, scheduled, or anticipated fashion. So that's the key for maintenance. If you're doing this activity and you're doing it in some sort of routine every quarter, or every year, or every semi-annual, every two years, you do this activity, then now... It's going to be routine, scheduled, in anticipated fashion. They're going to call that maintenance. This means that this definition can actually branch out into what, uh, what the wording is would be for repair. 
So even though I gave you the first definition, again, let me tell you the definition of construction, which is construct, alteration, and or repair, including painting and decorating. So now we're thinking, well, what's repair? What's maintenance? So uh, I was just delineating that by if your repair work is routine, schedule, and in an anticipating man, uh, anticipated fashion, you're actually doing maintenance as opposed to repair. All of a sudden, what that means is you're not in 1926 anymore. This activity is now in 1910 because you're now doing maintenance. And uh, the uh, letter of interpretation went a little bit further. They actually gave a difference that is to help you when you're thinking, is this repair or is this one actually going to be maintenance? So OSHA decided, let's, let's give you an example of a few things. And here is one of them. Construction works not limited to new construction, but includes repair of existing facilities or replacement of structures and their components. For example, the replacement of one utility pole for a new identical pole would be maintenance. However, if they replace with an improved pole or equipment, it would be considered construction. So that's gonna throw you off right there, right? You're thinking, hold on, you just told me, I mean, you literally just told me <laughs> that this is gonna be maintenance work if it's routine and regular basis, and now if it's repair work, if it's just out of the blue and I need this thing done. Yeah, this is kind of consistent to that. So they gave it some context in what's commonly known as like for like material. That's really what they're saying here. So let's say on a slow rain day, you're in a manufacturing plant or something like that, and someone notices, man, these gutters are really getting bad. Next day that we have nothing to do, let's go ahead and let's replace our own gutters. We don't have to hire anyone from the outside. We'll just do this ourselves. And uh, when the purchasing agent purchases it and gets the same exact type of gutters that you have originally, then you workers, the workers that are doing this work and putting in this new gutter system, uh, though it may be thinking of repair, you're actually going to be calling it maintenance for this type of work when you say you're doing this in a scheduled and anticipated routine fashion. So that means your wording is going to be this. Every 10 years, every five years, every whatever increment you want to put on here, where are you going to replace these gutters? So you go back into your history and now you're thinking, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's right about that time. So now you're going to intentionally say and intensely, intentionally put in the thought that we are now replacing these things. And if they're 10 year gutters, every 10 years, it's anticipated. Year nine, we start doing our, our bid process or year eight, and then we get the material and now we're changing it out. So maintenance in that case is what you're doing. If this is the first time ever you're doing it and it's not anticipated, meaning the life cycle of this gutter is a 10 year gutter and now you're changing it out because the life cycle's up because that would be anticipated fashion, then now you're doing a repair work and therefore it's 1926. So it's kind of confusing. Yeah, I know, or at least in my mind, I'm thinking it's confusing, but uh, that's one way where you could have the same exact job, 
the same exact material, but then you'll be looking at 1910 versus 1926 for the activities of the worker. So that's, uh, that's the, the difference between the two. Uh, the other thing that you're really going to be thinking about is, let's say the, the financer decides, well, goodness, it's going to be less money in the long run if we go ahead and, and upgrade these things to seamless gutters. So let's go ahead and do that. And I'm not going to be doing this every 10 years. These seamless gutters now are rated for 15, maybe 20 years. And now you're like, all right, we're done with this. It is actually going to be maintenance, or excuse me, repair work. Let's say clearly, repair work because the material has changed. It's not like material for like material anymore. The material is now upgraded material. So since the material changed, then now you are in clear, clear 1926 stage. So that means your hand tools and equipment, you're going to be regulated under 1926. And uh, if you're doing anything else with your ladder, you know, your ladders now is going to be in subpart X of 1926 as opposed to subpart D in 1910. Uh, so that's that's the ramification of what you're seeing here uh, with just maintenance versus construction. And, and truly, it's frustrating when you think about it that you're really going to have to be intentional about uh, your wording as to repair versus maintenance but it makes a big difference especially if you're in a um, informal conference and you recited the wrong thing so now you've got you know some wiggle room to say hey i can test the citation because i was cited in 1910 when i was doing a 1926 activity who knows, you know, it might be a good a good way to, to go at it. So another thing that will automatically put you from maintenance to repair is if there is a scale and complexity of this job that is going to be increased. So therefore, could still be like material for like material, but the scale of getting this thing replaced or refurbished or repaired or maintained is so big you're gonna have you know this crew coming in at this time and you're gonna have to make sure you set aside this part of the facility that's all blocked out and you're gonna have to coordinate this thing from time to time with different contractors on site so now you've added another wrinkle to this thing so OSHA is saying well due to the complexity of what's happening here we are now gonna make this uh, or at least this activity will be construction uh, there's also a little thing, I don't see it here in this letter of interpretation, but the actual, let's say, I, I don't want to put in any words in OSHA's mouth, but let's just think of it this way. The actual work then, if you're going to do one of these complex work with a scale that's really going to be large, the value of the end product is going to be increased so much so that then now this is going to be much different than just taking out like part for like part and therefore it also would build the case of this now being a construction activity and uh, one more thing I guess I should say 
It's never what you're rated for, as in your North American Industrial Classification System Code or your standard Industrial Classification System Code in the U.S. and um, or actually say North America. That's the code that is used to group together people that are doing the same activity, the same type of jobs together, is in that NAICS code. So it's never really the code. So again, let's say you're manufacturing something and you're, you're um, manufacturing car parts or something and you're an assembly line car parts and everything else and that's what you're doing but maybe the orders have gone down because of pandemic you know everything is, is being affected the supply chain everything else but the the owner says well man i don't i don't want to have my workers just uh laid off so what i'm going to do is let's go ahead and start doing some jobs that i would have tried to hire out and let's go ahead and, and get get our workers to do this. And now all of a sudden you're doing irrigation work where you're you're putting in a sprinkler system or something similar to that. So as soon as you break ground, you're doing what's the definition of a man-made cut into the earth equals an excavation. So therefore, you're in subpart P in 1926. The industry is manufacturing. The activity of the workers is maintenance. So uh, even though you have different activities, uh, it doesn't mean that your umbrella of manufacturing covers for that. So let's say these workers all of a sudden decide, well, while we're at it, let's go ahead and, and you know, there, there's something else that's happened or we're doing irrigation work and somehow we broke a line and one of these workers used to be able to, to do line repair from, uh, from their days in the utility and just decided, all right, let's get the shutoff valve. Let's go ahead and do this ourselves. We don't need to call the utility. I got this. I used to be a, a utility worker and they go down a little deeper to find this line break someone's able to isolate the valve and uh, you got a valve key and everything else that you need to isolate this thing and you do it and now your worker that is a maintenance activity of repairing your piping or I should say a repair activity for a manufacturing 1910 facility you're actually in subpart P for construction you're like all the way in you're, you're all up in it at that point with excavation uh, because truly those lines are going to be down about a good three feet in some cases more so then now you got to think about oh is this four feet if it's four feet i'm going to need a ladder or means of egress to go in and out of this thing uh, all of a sudden are we down five feet so we can have a little extra room or if this uh trench basically it's an excavation that's uh, deeper than it is wide so now at that point we are definitely thinking at five feet we need a protective system and all of a sudden it's like hold on we're main, we're manufacturing <laughs> i don't know anything about sloping or benching or or trench boxes or anything like that so you you would have got yourself in a world of hurt at that point um it's it's a really a rare thing for that to happen i doubt that's what's going to happen at all but i'm just wanted to make you aware that the cfrs the 1910 is for anything that is outside of uh, construction, outside of um, agriculture, outside of maritime. That's your 1910, so that means hospitals, manufacturing, um, uh, I guess, uh, anything that's, you know, power and generation servicing that, 
Uh, there's even a little section about scuba diving in there in subpart R in 1910. Uh, General Electrical, all those things is, is activities related to what you're seeing for general industry construction again. You're building anything, you're repairing it, you're painting it or decorating it. You're now in 1926. That's the, the delineation between the two. And there are still some like, for instance, power generation and distribution. So in construction, you can construct a power generation distribution facility. You're going to be in 1926. But then now when you're servicing and maintaining the system itself, you're in 1910, even though your title is still power generation and distribution. So that's another one that will you know, really throw you off there. So anyway, that's about all I wanted to, to, to go in with you guys, just to really give you that uh, definition there on the podcast. I did it on the live. So if you're ever on LinkedIn and I'm, part of your uh, LinkedIn connections uh, just kind of keep keep your eye up on whenever I go live and that was one of the things that came on so I said hmm might as well do this on the podcast as well so so that you guys will have this information all right I think I'm going to be pretty much done with this one so I want to make sure that everyone is going to uh, just really think about your clients and if you're not uh full-time as a safety consultant yet than your your actual workplace and think of the activity of what the workers are doing and this will lead you to what book to use for guidance and regulation and then the other thing is you want to make sure that the workers are trained to do what they're doing especially if they're going outside of what their normal jobs are so i didn't even add that before but that's a a great consideration because now if you're in 1910 or 1926 a lot of them have requirements to be trained on whatever the activity is. So therefore, now you're going to have to train your workers, even on a ladder. They've already been trained on subpart D in 1910 in manufacturing plant, like I gave the, the actual uh, uh, example. But now you're doing a maintenance or you're doing a repair work and subpart X has its own training. Uh, in 1926 and now you're gonna have to make sure your your workers are compliant with that one so that's when it also makes a big difference for you as well all right so I'm gonna call it a day with this one Uh, we're not gonna do a tip of the week because I just gave you a bunch there I'm keeping these kind of short because I am leading towards uh, where I'm gonna do my hundredth anniversary and I I don't have a full schedule of what that's gonna be like yet but I'm planning on doing something really special. So you're going to be more episodes than ever coming from me recently or coming up. So if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please do. Wherever you're listening to me now, if it's safe for you to go ahead and hit the subscribe button, do that. If you had not had a chance to share this with some friends or someone that you know will be into this, I know it's not just safety consultant I do I talk about generally anything that's on my mind. I even have a music episode. You can go back to that one as well. I love that one. I'm actually going to do another one. It's on my mind to do one more uh, music episode because that's been a while. And I got a really big special guest for the 100th anniversary. Can't wait for that one as well. Or 100th episode. It won't be an anniversary because I've never got to 100 before. 
But anyway, <laughs> uh, hopefully I'm going to see some of you guys at the OSHA Compliance Masterclass, which is July 11th and July 12th, 2021. You can just go to sheldonprimus.com backslash events, register for that, and I will see you later. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety 